The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Courtney Betty from Betty's Law. Jerry Agar from the Jerry Agar Show. Karima Sad is a Toronto lawyer. Happy Friday to you all. Let's actually start with something that happened yesterday, but I just kind of want to bat clean up on it. Um, I don't spend a lot of time on the Liberal leadership race since it's a race to elect the leader of the third party in, you know, two, second party in the opposition benches, basically. But it was an interesting development. Two of the candidates teaming up and trying to beat Bonnie Crosby. Uh, let me start with uh, Jerry Agar. Is Bonnie Crosby to be that feared, for Pete's sake? Well, apparently to them, uh, I'll quibble with you a little bit, they're not yeah. a party. No. Well, they don't have the official they're, they're, status. They're not they are official a party. party. Well, I mean, they're devastated. And uh, and they need a leader who will be dynamic and lead them back to the promised land. And they'll eventually get there, but they certainly didn't with the last couple of tries. Um, they've been in the dumps longer than I thought they would be. Um, but uh, that said, who really is uh, acquiring any traction with the public other than Bonnie Crombie? Well, yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, who are the other two guys? Can you tell me without looking at your piece of paper? <laughs> Nathan Erskine Smith and Yasser Nakvi, and then there's Mr. Shoe. What's Mr. Shoe's first name? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I just like Mr. Shoe. It's like a Monopoly piece. Okay. Courtney, your thoughts? Hey, I, I, I'm actually in complete agreement with Jerry this morning. I, I said a month ago, let's just uh, crown Bonnie Crombie right now. I think this is the worst thing the liberals could be doing is showing this kind of infighting. It makes no sense at all. Let's move on and figure out who can potentially compete with Doug Ford. And that's what it is potentially. And right now it's Bonnie Crombie. So why are they doing this? It makes no sense at all. Yeah, Karima, at a delegated convention, you could kind of see one of them dropping out and throwing behind the other one. But by doing it in this fashion and neither one of them having a seat in the House, it's kind of a lock that they're never going to run if Bonnie wins. Yeah. Um, I, when they brought in the one part, uh, one member, one vote, like this is, it seems to me, a way to try and use that system to their advantage with the ranked ballots, right? So they are collaborating, throwing each other's weight behind each other uh, in the hopes of taking Bonnie Crombie down, which seems to be, um, they've described it as her being vulnerable to some of the same criticisms as Doug Ford, and they want to go in a different direction entirely. But practically speaking, I'm not sure how it will work out if they do succeed past the first or second level. Ontario will ban requiring recent arrivals in Canada from having Canadian work experience. So basically the job ad can't say you must have two years of nursing in Canada before you can work at this hospital. Um, I suppose that's going to fast track a lot of people, Courtney. Um, but what do you say? John, we've been talking about this literally for 20 years. Uh, the Conference Board of Canada, I mean, it was 15, 20 years, pointed out that we, we're losing billions of dollars by not giving people that have immigrated to Canada proper accreditation. It's a great piece of legislation. It, it only impacts on certain specific professions. It's not right across the board. There's a little bit of, a, of, of another thing that's hidden in here, John, that I find really fascinating, whereby the legislation is now going to require that in a workplace situation, if there's any kind of a settlement, you do not have to include a non-disclosure agreement. And that's going to be transformative for the labor process. It's kind of hidden there in the background, but from a legal standpoint, it has incredible implications. 
And Kareem, it's always been a catch-22 that uh, people come here and they can't get uh, Canadian work because they haven't had experience and then they can't get the experience to get Canadian work down the pipe. Exactly. Um, so this, at least removing it as a requirement or component of eligibility from criteria, people will still have to go through interviews and there will be assessments of suitability and whatnot, but it's not uh, a barrier at the outset. And hopefully that gets more skilled and qualified people into our workforce, better integrated. I thoroughly disagree. I'm rewarding Courtney's agreeing with me earlier by thoroughly disagreeing with him uh, at, at this point. I think this is ridiculous. As expected, Jerry. Okay. As expected. <laughs> Thanks, Courtney. Uh, so um, th this is government creating a problem and then pretending that business is the problem. Uh, it, it, the biggest issue these people have, and you guys are touching on it, is getting accredited to work in this province. Well, that's not business doing that. That's government doing that. And there are jobs where it could be quite relevant to have um, Canadian experience. I gave the example yesterday on my show of uh, an advertising executive. Well, who are they advertising to? Canadians. you got to understand the environment. you got to understand the customer. Unless you're being hired specifically to advertise to some uh, sub-community, uh, like, let's say, to new Chinese immigrants. You're advertising to them. There's a lot. It would be a, a good uh, marketplace. But you would want somebody who understands that group. But generally speaking, in an ad agency, you might want people who actually understand the Canadian market. That's just one example. And for government, for God's sake, for any elected official to think they know better how to run business than the people running the business is just uh, un unqualified hubris on the part of elected officials. And what the well, hell is I'm wrong actually, with the conservatives I'm, I'm, that they don't get this? I'm actually in agreement with you, with you, Jerry. I mean, it is the issue of the regulatory bodies. But I thought when you, you know, when you look at it, we're losing billions of dollars in Ontario right now by not accrediting these individuals. So just from a complete selfish standpoint, why not get them working for us? Okay, but then fix the, fix the government, not, not uh, jackboot business. Right. I mean, all they're saying is take this out of your ads doesn't mean they're going to have to hire them. Well, no, that's right. You can go and interview and, they, and then they just uh, later when you leave go, well, he doesn't have any Canadian experience. We're not hiring him. Uh, Canadians are increasingly facing discipline in their workplace, including some being terminated, apparently, for taking strident views of what's happening in the Middle East. Uh, Karima, you know, you're a lawyer, so maybe you can speak to this from a legal perspective, but I don't know why so many people feel that, you know, you're, you're a letter carrier. Why are you weighing in on Israel-Palestine on Twitter? Well, I think with people being very much online and, and that being a component and extension of how folks express themselves, uh, maybe even more than they meet up with people in real life, that boundary between what is my personal opinion and where am I weighing in on behalf of my employer can blur. Uh, and there's also a tendency um, that I find quite disturbing, actually, um, on either side of any polarizing issue, people hunting down other citizens, trying to get them in trouble with civil consequences, employment, like attacking their livelihood, and employers may be vulnerable to that pressure and not want to deal with it. So the why are they weighing in is, you know, core to people expressing themselves, but it 
needs to be done in a thoughtful and mindful way, especially if there's something that links you to your place of employment online. Courtney, I have to think that in the case of some uh, business owners and various other people who might be disciplining their uh, staff, they're just worried that everything that's boiling on our streets these days is going to show up at the coffee stand at the office. Well, John, the, the problem is, what's the starting point? And I, you know, I said this probably about four weeks ago. We need to start communication between this polarization that's taking place. We cannot continue down this path. You know, if an individual is expressing personal views and they're not expressing hatred or any of those other components that would constitute a criminal charge, we've got to have some leeway here for those discussions because I feel that it's those discussions that are going to bring people together. You can't go out and attack, but, but, you know, we also need to create a forum where there can be communication on all issues and both sides by seeing each other, maybe they might come together. It's a hope. It hasn't worked so far, though. Well, John, you and I over the years have uh, proven, we demonstrate that people can have completely polarizing uh, different political views and still work together and get right. along well enough. Well, not like that, but we're paid to have opinions. Well, exactly. But but that said, and even within the radio station, if, there, if this company can find somebody who is not having a sensible discussion about what's happening between Israel and Palestine, but in fact is supportive of Hamas, I would, and we have a documented history of management not giving a damn what I think, but I'm going to say it anyway, and that is that... Uh, Hello, uh, HR on Line 4. Yes, I would invite uh, anybody in HR or management or whatever, if you find somebody in this company who supports what Hamas did, please fire them now. Okay. Uh, bystanders apparently were baffled after a police officer boarded a TTC streetcar on King and issued a ticket to the driver because the streetcar was blocking the box. Jerry, um, yeah, bring it on. You're a professional driver and you're blocking the box? Yeah, I've seen streetcars run red lights. Uh, I mean, just because you're a streetcar driver doesn't mean you should be able to, uh, that you should be somehow immune to traffic tickets. And yesterday when we first heard about this, my producer Donnie said to me, well, okay, so one element of the city writes a ticket to another element of the city. What does that accomplish? Like, who pays? Well, hopefully the driver pays directly uh, for the ticket, but also shouldn't there be a rule like if you get another one, you've lost your job. Yeah, Courtney, I have a feeling that the driver is responsible for the ticket and can't exactly pass it in and say, by the way, I broke the law and I got a ticket, you pay it. Well, I, I, you know, we, we have these crazy situations. I think when you look at or TTC buses and streetcars now, you have a sign on the back that says yield. And that sign was put on there, I can't remember, a few years back. And it just completely changed the way our drivers drive in the city. At the same time, you know, holding up traffic and doing all of that, police officers have to utilize discretion, and it doesn't appear to me that the officer utilized proper discretion in this situation. Well, it should be said, you're absolutely right, Courtney, and uh, Karima, apparently it held up traffic on King, and there were like 20 streetcars behind this streetcar, so maybe it was a bad choice. But still, I, I don't know why anybody can block the box with impunity. I don't think that there should be impunity, but uh, I would agree with Courtney that discretion matters. And if the <laughs> outcome of this ticket was further exacerbating traffic, and it sounds like some of the eyewitnesses, um, you know, described the officer as having a bit of a chip on their shoulder when another streetcar driver came in to ask what was going on. Um, so there may have been a power play 
as well. Okay, first of all, there isn't supposed to be traffic on King Street, which is that silly project they have now. And secondly, that, uh, the backing up of the other streetcars demonstrates the fallacy of the streetcar program in the first place. I mean, if it were buses, they'd go around one another. Airlines are apologizing after several encounters that, you know, both inconvenienced and sometimes humiliated people with accessibility issues. Karima, probably not uh, enough time to go around to everybody, but I'll start with you on this one. Um, I like that Air Canada is now promising, for example, that they will not push away from the gate unless they can guarantee that a wheelchair or scooter is actually in the plane. Yes, um, I think the the conceptualizing these devices as an extension of the passenger rather than regular luggage, that is going to be key. Uh, and that that is a good first step because people should have access to their devices. It's about uh, their independence and dignity. Yeah, it's true. And treating it like luggage trivializes it, I think, Courtney, because what are you supposed to do? You get to the other airport in another city and you don't have your wheelchair. Uh, John, I'm actually shocked that, you know, we haven't thought about this before because it is a challenge. You have people that end up in the other city, but there's also the responsibility on the other city, right, to make sure that those wheelchairs are there. So great thing for your candidate to at least be looking at this right now. Thank you all. Good to have you. That is round one. Karima Sad, Courtney Betty and Jerry Agar. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.